singing a very bright Christmas, everybody. Yes, that's awesome, man. Awesome. Thank you for giving uh, to what God's doing. Thank you for believing and trusting in uh, what God is doing here at River Ridge Church. It's awesome to see that and watch that. And so uh, with that, I want to welcome you all here this morning. Uh, so glad you made it here. And all of you who are watching online, so glad uh, that you're taking part of your day to be with us as well. And I know the answer to this, but I just want to ask, everybody doing good? Everybody okay here? Everybody all right after that? Yeah. That's pretty awesome, man. That's pretty cool. Well, we're talking about Christmas. We're, we're talking about Christmas, and we're wanting to make this a very bright Christmas. We all need a little right, light right now with everything going on right now. We're, I'm, we're just trying to do this with, with everybody around us, me according with our family and, and friends and people. We're trying to see how we could do that. We're even trying to do this in our home group right now to make it a very bright Christmas. A little more challenging because we're not meeting in person right now. We're kind of virtually meeting as a home group. And uh, so we're, we're trying different things. And we have a lot of traditions in our home group over Christmas. We do a lot of things. And so uh, we're trying to get creative with that to bring it in and, and still be bright with that. So we've been doing virtual Christmas games. I think that's been a little bit fun. Uh, and then every year, this, the most important thing for our group is we do a white elephant gets a change. Anybody do those? And so we got, we got to keep doing that. And so we had to figure out, be a little creative. So here's what I did. Uh, so we were all on the computers. And, and so what we did was we made everybody on, uh, close their eyes except for one couple or one household. And then I, would, I pulled a name out of a bag and put it up to my screen so they could see it. Uh, and so then everybody had a name or a house to be sort of a secret Santa for. And the, the cool part was to try, we had to sneak the, the presents up on some, the porches without them knowing who they are. So they had to guess who the secret Santas are. And so everybody's getting into it. Even our kids, our kids are really getting into it. They're all fired up about it. And uh, Henry, my son said, so dad, are you telling me we get to do a ding dong ditch on somebody? And I'm like, ding dong ditch? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you go up and ring the door and then you run away. Ding dong ditch. And I'm like, that's not the heart of it. But yeah, kinda, kinda. Uh, he's getting the spirit of it. And, and so we all want this to be a very bright Christmas. And, and so for us in here, what we're doing uh, is we're on week number three of a series we're called Waymaker. And what we're doing in here to bring a very bright Christmas in, we're looking at some really amazing names of God. And today we're gonna keep moving with that. And we're looking at the next name of God in the song Waymaker, which is that God is a promise keeper, promise keeper. The other day, uh, I was reading about an experiment that was done. It was done several, several years ago. It was a Dutch experiment. And here's what they did. They, they got two, the big group of people and they, and they divided them into two different groups, okay? And on the first group, here's what they told the first group. They said, you are going to receive 20 intense shocks to your body, okay? Uh, and then they went to the next group, the second group, uh, and, and here's what they said to them. They said, you are gonna get three intense shocks and then 17 mild shocks. But, but here was the catch for this second group. They didn't know when the three intense ones were gonna happen. They, they didn't tell them when those were actually going to be and when they were gonna happen. And here's what ended up happening. I found this really interesting. So the group who only got three intense shocks, they showed higher levels of physiological stress. They sweated more profusely, had more visible anxiety and higher heartbeats than the ones who had 20 intense shocks in a row. And here's the reason why. The reason why is because they didn't know when the three intense shocks were coming. And, and this is really interesting because here's what this shows us. This shows us that it wasn't actually about what was happening to them as much as it was about the uncertainty of when it was gonna happen. And so I don't know, man, I just thought about this when I came across this study and I came to some conclusions as we get ready to talk about God being a promise keeper. A couple conclusions. Number one, uh, who they find a volunteer for experiment like this? That's number one. Like who is saying, give me 20 shocks, right? I don't know. Just crazy people around there. I don't know how much they pay. They better got paid right, right? Uh, and number two, number two, there is a real parallel with this and how many people live their lives out of uncertainty. 
But here's the truth we need to say today. Here's what, if you walk away with anything today, here is what I want all of us to think about and walk away with. Because we have a God, we have a God, think about this, who not only makes promises to us, but we also have a God who keeps them as well. And for us, here's the thing, everybody, that is good news. That's very good news. Because if we could see it, if we could see it, then it can actually bring a whole lot of certainty, listen, in a world that doesn't really offer much at all, to us, it's, it's really amazing. So let's look into this a little bit today. I think it's gonna be a really, really cool thing, bringing a very bright Christmas for us to look into the promise-keeping God and help us move in to get closer to him. In the Bible, I looked this up, I did some research. In the Bible, uh, there are literally thousands of promises. Did you know that? I actually uh, did some research. Now, I didn't, I didn't look and check this uh, on every single one, but here's what I came across in my study about this. According to other sources, I didn't count these myself, there are 7,487 promises that God makes to his people, okay, that he makes to humans. That's a lot of promises. In fact, I dug a little deeper. Not only that, there are also 991 promises between humans in the Bible, 290 promises promises that people give to God, 21 promises given by an angel, and there are two promises between God the Father and Jesus and a partridge and a pear tree. Uh, that's a lot, that's a lot of promises in the Bible. It's really, if you think about the Bible and you look at that, over 8,000 promises, it's really a book of promises. And here's what's more amazing than that, everybody. What's more amazing than that, the number of promises that God makes in the Bible is the fact that God isn't just a promise maker, but more importantly, he is a promise keeper. Okay, so I wanna study this a little bit. We're gonna be in and out of a lot of scriptures today, so I wanna encourage you to write the scriptures down, look to them a little deeper in yourself, and, and I just want us to see with our own eyes that God is a promise keeper through what his word says. Okay, so here's what we're gonna look at. I'm gonna look at four things that I think God would want you to know about him being a promise keeper. So if you're taking notes, here's the first thing that I think he would want you to know. He would want you to know that he never promises something that he can't follow through on. That's important to know. It's really important to know that when God makes a promise, you better make book on it, you better make bank on it, that you can believe it will happen. Check out Psalm 145, I love this. It says this, it says that the Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all that he does. I love uh, right in here how he says, not only that he's trustworthy in all he promises, but I love how it says that he is faithful that he's faithful in all he does. Uh, here's what faithful means in this context right here. Here's what it means. It means uh, keeping promises, but, but not just that. What it means right here is it actually means keeping promises over a long period of time. That's what it means right there. He's faithful in all that he promises. People who stay connected to God, they hold on to the truth here that God's timing is what really matters. God's timing is what we trust instead of wanting our own timing on everything to happen because here's the thing. We know, here's what we know. Those of us who trust God, who really cling to the promises he have, here's Here's what we know about how we operate. We operate uh, on a temporal level. We operate uh, on temporary. And God, he sees past that. He sees eternal in everything. And so people who know that, they can trust God. They can lean in on his promises to give them hope, to give them courage uh, when things seem down and out. Because here's what we know. Every single promise God makes will come to be from him. So that's the first thing I think he wants you to know. Here's the second thing that I think God would want you to know. That there are promises that he will keep even when we don't. That there are promises he will keep even when we don't keep our end of the bargain up. Check this out. This is what Paul says to his friend about this. He's talking to Timothy and he's encouraging him here a little bit. And here's what he says. He says, hey, listen, even if we're unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny 
who he is. I don't know about you, but when I look at that, when I think about God's promises and the ones that I wanna see happen in my life, I take a little bit of comfort in that knowing that he will actually, that, that, that there are promises he makes to me that, that I can't mess up because of me. Okay, and don't tell anybody, I can mess up a whole lot of stuff, everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can, if it's left up to me, uh, I can mess up a whole lot of things, but God is faithful. God is faithful sometimes even when I'm not. And honestly, gang, think about this. Honestly, this is where we get a little messed up, isn't it? Like, this is where we get a little, it becomes hard to believe that God would do that for us. We have issues with that. And here's the issue. You wanna know the issue you have with this? The fact that God will come through his promises even when we don't, because every single one of us has been on the other end of a broken promise. And we know how that feels, and we know what we go through, and we think about even coming through on the promise by another person, and I think that's where we get messed up a little bit. That we, we have trust issues, not because of God, uh, but because of other people. And we bring that in to our relationship with our Heavenly Father because here's the thing, because people have let us down, right? Every one of us knows a story or something that happened uh, that people have not come through. People have broken a promise that they made and it affects us, it really does, it affects us when we encounter the unconditional promises of God. But that's the truth about God. You need to know something about God here when it comes to him and his unconditional promise. See, the difference is that God is different than people. How? Because he's not like us. Look at what this says. I wanna keep just giving you as much scripture as I can to help us. Here's what it says. It says, this is why he's different. It says, because God is not human. He's not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Here's, here's the truth today. Even the best promise keepers that we know on this world will still let us down from time to time. Even the best ones will let us down because we're human beings. Sometimes uh, they're not kept just because we're human. There's no ill intent, but it doesn't mean the hurt uh, goes away, right? It doesn't mean that the letdown is still there, but this is never, ever, and will never be the case with God. He'll come through with some promises even when we don't come through ourselves. I think it's the second thing that he would want you to know about his promises. But here, here's, here's where we're gonna go with this story. So even though God makes promises that, that even though we won't keep them, and even though there are promises that he will keep even when we don't, and he makes promises that he'll come through every time. Here's the third thing that I think God would want you to know. It's that some of his promises are conditional. He would want you to know that. God would want you to know that, that there are many, many promises that are unconditional. There are many promises uh, that are there, but many of them are because, and, and here's why they're unconditional. They, he makes unconditional promises because he knows we can never ever keep our end of the bargain up on some major things that he wants to give us, things like salvation, things like restoration, things like deliverance. He knows that we can never really keep our end of the bargain up for those on this side of heaven, so he makes them. But God also, he makes a lot of conditional promises too. And these promises, they are based, to receive them, they are based on one thing. They are based on your obedience to him. Say it this way, there is an if clause attached to some of the promises of God. And so it's not automatic. Not every promise of God is automatic. Some promises are not automatically yours, unfortunately. I think there are people who kind of, I don't know, I've heard it said the way, like where they kind of say this like name it and claim it kind of thing, where you say, just claim the promises and you claim them and they'll come to be. And I think, you know, that sounds great uh, unless it's this kind of promise, right? I think a lot of us get mixed up on that. And a lot of us, you know, some promises saying I claim it won't make them true if you're not doing the if part uh, that God says. Here's why, because God is always, always true. Like God is true to his word. And wherever God says if, Wherever he says if, and we're not doing the if on that, then we shouldn't expect the promises to happen. Here's the good news on this one, though. 
Here's the good news on the fact that there are conditional promises of God. You don't have to wonder whether what, what they are. Like God makes it super clear in the word. God, he makes it super clear whenever there is an if on these. But, so, but it's just another thing. It's another thing that I think God would want you to know about his promises. So when he makes a promise, you better make book that he's gonna come through. He'll, his, there are some promises he makes that he'll come through even when we don't come through. And there are also some conditional promises. Here's the, here's the fourth thing that I think God would want you to know is that all of his promises lead to purpose. All of his promises lead to purpose. So, so I want you to check this out. If you have your Bibles, this might be worth opening up there real quick just to underline this because I, I came across a study of this years ago and it's always stuck with me. We're gonna be in 2 Peter chapter one. So open up there to 2 Peter chapter one. I came across a teaching this years ago and I hope this catches you uh, like it catches me and like it has caught me through the years. And so I'm gonna give you a second to get there. 2 Peter one, um, we're gonna pick this up. It's gonna be in, in verse four. Here's what it says. You there? I hear some people flipping. Awesome, I'm glad you're flipping through. Here's, here's what it says in 2 Peter 1, 4. It says, through these, God, he, God, has given us his very great and precious promises. I love how it explains it. Great and precious promise. So that, so that there is a purpose behind granting the promises. So that through them, through the promises, you may participate in, catch this, the divine nature. The divine nature. This is so huge for us to understand. I want you to underline or circle divine nature because here's what this is saying. I hope you're catching this. Here's what this is getting at. What this is saying is when you begin to see all that God has promised, when you begin to see the promise he's made for you, when you see that he never breaks a single promise he makes, then here's what happens. When you start to live out of these promises in this way, then you begin to shift from actually being in the natural world and you begin to partake what he says in the divine nature of God, that you get to partake in something, listen, transcendent, something supernatural, something divine. And yeah, here's what's really important for us to understand. See, here's the reality for the world. Here's the reality, even, I'm gonna say, to a lot of Christians. The world, the world is defaulted to operate apart from the transcendent, amazing, supernatural life with God because of how we're born in sin. We're born apart from these amazing things of God. And right now, here's the thing. There are still even Christians who say they love God, who say they believe in Jesus, who are still just living natural lives. The, world, the, the world's realities, the world's natural world is overtaking God's realities in so many of our own lives as Christians. But I don't want you to miss this. Don't miss what this is saying here. God has never designed you to live a natural life. Isn't that so good to know? He's never designed you to live a natural life. He made you to live supernaturally even on this earth. That's pretty great. That's pretty amazing about God's promises, isn't it? That's something good to know about what he is trying to give to you. Let's keep reading because he keeps going. So he says, so that through them, through the promises that you may participate in the divine nature and there's something even better, there's something just even better, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desire. So, so not, only, not only does living out of the promises of God cause you to participate in God's nature, in the divine, supernatural, transcendent nature, they will, also, they will also help you escape the corruption of the world. I don't know about you, but I want that. Are you right? Like the, the, the stuff of this world stinks, okay? Like, and I don't wanna be caught up in that. I want those. I want both of those. I wanna be in the divine nature. I wanna be living in this, this transcendent way with God where I see these amazing things happening to you. I want both of those happening in my life. I don't wanna be corrupted by this world. And here's what I wanna tell you. This is what God wants to speak to me, through me to you. There is an offer on the table for every one of us to have that. 
It's, a, he's, it's almost like he's dangling it right there for you to see. He, he, he wants you to have this. And chances are, here's the thing, chances are, this is just my guess, chances are with what God, the promises that he has to offer and how many of them that he has in our life, with what he has on the table you with his promises, I think many of us are not taking up on all the promises that he wants for us in our lives because A, we might not know what they are. And B, uh, we're not partaking in the divine nature of him. But I'm telling you, it's an offer. It's an offer. And because it's an offer, you have to see it and you have to take it and you have to bring it into your own life in order to be changed by it and live out of that. But that's how God wants you to live. I think that's pretty amazing with this God of ours. So, so those are the things that I think God would want you to know about his promises. I think that he would want you to know about these uh, in, in, in our lives. And so I wanna share just two things really to take home with the, for us to do. Two things that we need to do if, if you wanna live out of these promises, if you wanna bring more of God's promises into your life and experience them uh, in your life. And, and I, here's the thing, I hope you want that. Like, I hope you do. I hope you want that. A, I think it'll bring in a very bright Christmas if we do that. But B, I think it will just change your whole life if that's the way you wanna live. And I hope you see, I hope you see God's desire to have these promises come through and come true in your life. So two things, if if you wanna pursue this, two things that I think we need to do. I hope you write these down. I hope you take these on. Here's the first one that I need to do is that I need to know then God's promises, right? I know I made your brains explode there, but I'm just saying there are like over 7,000 of them. We've got to get to know what they, here's the problem. Here's why I think this is so important here. I think a problem that we have, uh, I'm just gonna throw this out there. I'm not gonna call anybody out on this, but I think we sometimes hold God accountable to the promises that he's never made. And then we get disappointed and we get let down. We get frustrated when he doesn't come through. All the while he never made that promise in the first place is because we don't know the actual promises he makes. And honestly, gang, like that's kind of a, that's a tragedy because they're right there in his word. And he's like, I'm gonna give you every single one of them. So just a few examples. I'm gonna just throw a few out there of knowing his promises and getting a little confused and not really understanding the promises that he makes. For example, we need to know that God does not promise that we won't have trouble or sorrow. He doesn't make that promise to you, but, but he does promise peace that transcends the circumstances we're in. That's what he does promise. We need to know that God does not promise that we won't encounter more than we can handle. He doesn't promise that. I think that's something that might surprise some of you. We we will encounter more than we can handle, but here's the thing, he does promise this. He does promise that if we truly rest in him, he can handle it. That we might not be able to handle it, but if we lean in him, he can handle it. God doesn't promise, he does not promise anywhere in the Bible, he does not promise you wealth and prosperity here on this earth. I hate to break it to you. He doesn't. But he does promise that we will have all we need in Jesus. He does promise that because when Jesus becomes our portion, when Jesus becomes your portion, then your success, your wealth, your salary won't be nearly as important to you when Jesus becomes your promise and your portion. You will be free from that bondage, everybody. That's a bondage that so many of us live in. We think there's freedom in that stuff, and, but man, I'm telling you, it's just, it's slavery. It's a form of slavery when you live for that stuff. And I'm not, now listen, I don't have time to give you all the other 7,483, okay? So I, here's, my, here's my thing. You gotta get in this word. You gotta know what they say. You know, I wanna give you encouragement to discover them for yourself because here's what I know. Here's what I believe about my life. Here's what many of you would agree to. The more you get to know God and his amazing promises, here's what I guarantee, the closer you wanna be with him. Amen, everybody? The closer you will want to be with him. I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge you. Read your Bible every day. This is like the second time I said in the series. I just say it every week. I mean, read your Bible every day with the goal of not just saying, well, I read, but here's the goal. The goal is to find one truth 
to find one promise every day, to find one thing to hold on to from God. And you hang on to that truth. You hang on to that promise when life hits you and you can hold on to the promise of God. And when you do that, by doing that, see, it will lead you to the very presence of God when you do that every single day and away from, listen, the corruption of the world that's trying to destroy us. I'm telling you, you do this. that's the first thing. I need to know the promises of God. Here's the second thing that I need to do if I wanna be experiencing this is that I need to pursue Jesus though and not the promises. That I need to pursue Jesus and not the promises. When it comes to the promises of God, we need to understand uh, that our pursuit is the, not the promises themselves, okay? When we, here's the thing, gang. When we pursue Jesus and only Jesus, see what happens is then living out the blessing and living in the blessing and the promises is just a byproduct of actually living and pursuing Jesus. Uh, I think this will help us a little bit. Check out what Paul says about this. And, and I hope you, I, you know, I want you to catch this because it's very, very important when it comes to saying, what do we pursue? Here's what he says about all the promises. It says, for all the promises of God God, find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Isn't that an awesome scripture? I love this when it, when it helps me when it comes to the promises of him. So, so here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying here, not some of the promises, not a few of them, all of the promises want to come to, he wants them to come true in us. And, and he's saying that not some of them, but all of them are not found in us, but they are found in in Jesus Christ. That's where they are actually found. They're found, don't miss that, that Jesus and Jesus alone is where they're found. Here's my point, here's my point, everybody. Gang, listen, we will get ourselves off track, way off track if our goal is to simply get what is promised, that we need to pursue Jesus. The goal is to pursue Christ and not the promises. And here's the deal, here's the deal. This is where I wanna speak into you just a little bit. There is a cost involved. There is a cost associated with pursuing Jesus and the promises that God makes in your life. And this is, gang, I just wanna speak to you a little bit. This is why I think a lot of people don't really experience the transcendent divine nature and live out the real promises of God. They don't find what others are finding in Jesus because honestly, honestly, your pursuit doesn't have a cost attached to it. You, you, you pursue out of convenience and not actually counting the cost and surrendering your life over. And you don't, you, it's never a cost to you. And I'll just say it like, I, I wanna say this because I love you. Uh, I love you and I wanna say this to you because uh, some of you need to hear this and, you, and you're missing this. Like you're missing this. He, hear me. Some of us want the treasure of Jesus, but you want it without sacrificing anything and you want it without letting go of your life. And that's not how the gospel works, everybody. It's not how the gospel works. What God's trying to point us to, when someone actually sees Jesus for who he really is and what he's really done, see what happens is the cost, like the willingness, like you look at it and you see what he's done and you see what he did for you, just to surrender, it doesn't even become like a choice. It just happens, it just becomes automatic. Like, of course, and I love where it says, it becomes an amen, like of course I will. What, what cost is it? Sign me up, I'll, I'll do it, whatever, it's worth it. And it's worth it, everybody, it's worth it because of what I found in pursuing Jesus is way better than me. Right, it's way better. Like my way stinks. I don't know if you found that out about yourself, but my way stinks about my life, right? And I'm just like, man, Jesus' way is better. So here's what I wanna do for a second. I want you to take a second. I just wanna give you a second just to think about this uh, and be as open as you possibly can right now to ask God to show you if there's anything right now, just take a second, close your eyes maybe, just to think about this. If there's anything hindering you from experiencing the incredible promise that God makes, just to take a second, what is it? Is it my money? Is it that relationship? Is it, I'm gonna raise my kids that way, my way, if I, the way I want, or, or if my future doesn't go this way, then I won't believe? Think about this, what cost is associated with my affection for Jesus? What cost is there? Am I in a pursuit, 
or is it just a convenient casual deal? Is it religion? Am I just going through the motions? Or am I really experiencing the promises because I've counted the cost? I'm laying down my life for the freedom and real life that comes from pursuing Jesus. Okay, because gang, listen to me, open your eyes. That's where we find the promises of God. We find them in our pursuit of Jesus and they are amazing promises to receive, promises of righteousness, peace and joy, comfort, satisfaction and rest. That's what the kingdom of heaven brings and the Holy Spirit through pursuing Jesus Christ. And gang, listen to me, it's all about Jesus. I wanna end in a little bit of a different way this morning. How much time we got? I wanna end in a way, I want Paul to finish this up for us today. And I don't know, this hit me a couple weeks ago. I came across this and for some reason it fit in today and I, and I hope it's a blessing to you. So I just wanna sit, I want you to sit and take this and we're gonna read a whole big chunk of scripture. Uh, but one day Paul, who was just converted, he just came to Jesus. Before he started following Jesus, he was pursuing Christians and wanted to kill him. And then Jesus appeared to him and he's like, oh my gosh, he's real. And so now what Paul is doing is he's traveling around all these towns and he's telling people about Jesus. So one day he walks into a synagogue and they're having church just like we're having today. And he sits down and what it says is the leaders, one of the leaders stands up uh, in this church and, and he starts to read the law and then he starts to read from the prophets, which means that they were reading uh, from the Old Testament. And so here's what I want you to imagine just for a second uh, and then we'll be done. I want you to imagine being a first century Jew in that day and you go to synagogue, you go to church and the same thing is gonna happen today that's happened every single Sabbath. Some dude is gonna get up and bust out some Leviticus on you, okay? And here's what you're gonna hear. You're gonna hear the law. You're gonna hear do's and don'ts and thou shalt and thou shalt not. And you're gonna think, man, I'm not very encouraged right now. Like, I, I, I'm kind of doing the things that I shouldn't be doing and, and, and I'm not doing the things that God is telling me. I'm trying, I'm really trying. I really am God, but, but so what do I do with that? How do I get that figured out? Okay, well, let's hear from the prophets then. So then they open the prophets. They get Jeremiah, they get Isaiah, and then all of a sudden you, start, you, hear, you hear what God's gonna do with you, which is judgment. You're gonna get judgment, okay? And you're like, geez, that's, that's what you're gonna do, and, and then they sit down. Now, isn't that an encouraging place to be, everybody, right? Like, that's, that's kind of where we're at. Would, would, would anybody be pumped to go to church on Sabbath, okay? They did this for hundreds of years. You gotta catch this. They did this for hundreds of years. That's what they did on this day. But on this day, it says, one of the leaders stood up, did the thing, and then he looked out there and he said, if anybody has any encouragement, please, please speak up. That's what the leader said. I mean, even the leaders are looking for it. So Paul speaks up. So standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness. Think about God coming through even when we don't. And he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, he's faithful. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king. And so he gave them Saul, son of Kish, the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. And after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he 
promised. He keeps going. He says, fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Think about sitting there and listening to this, being that guy. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross, laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee. Think about listening to this, to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us their children by raising Jesus. He keeps going. And from, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Isn't that awesome? Imagine just sitting there, hearing this every Sabbath, time after time, there's people reading God's word, reading these things from God, and landing in a place where they say, well, I guess we just gotta wait. I mean, this has, stuff hasn't happened yet, so I guess we wait. We need to wait for an answer. We're left so disappointed with what we're reading out of the law and the prophets. That's really where you land. You land there in the Old Testament, a promise made, and it's like we wait. And then for hundreds of years, everybody, you gotta listen to this, God kind of stopped. God didn't speak. He didn't speak to the people. God didn't demonstrate his glory. God doesn't manifest his presence. And then one night, there were some shepherds at night watching their flocks. And an angel comes forward and he says, don't be afraid. Glory to God in the highest. God's glory is returning for unto us on this night in Bethlehem, God, a savior is born, a promise kept. And so these guys get up, they seek and they find Jesus, God in the flesh for unto us, that's all of us, that's you. He came because God promised he would. I hope somebody's encouraged about that today. He came to fill that void, to fill that space, to fill that thing that's incomplete for you. He made it personal for you. To, for unto us, Jesus came to be mighty, to be everlasting, to counsel your life, to bring you peace. That's what he came to do. That's who he came to be. There is a promise God made that he kept and he keeps with us and with Jesus that to make things right to set sin right, to correct the sin that destroys and keeps us from him. I wanna challenge you, I wanna challenge you to be a person that carries that hope into this world. I want you to be a voice of the promise-keeping God in this world that needs to hear this good news. I want you to be somebody who is a voice of the promise-keeping God. I love how Paul did this. He went in and he looked around and he saw all these people without hope, but who believed in God. And he just said, hey, the promise is real. Hey, I want you to know, you need to know the promise is kept that there is a faith that believes in Jesus. He came, he died, he rose from the dead. It happened. God made good on that promise.
Just lean into him and trust him. 
be encouraged that he is who he says he is, that he's come through on every promise he's ever made. And that is a God worth following. That is a God worth pursuing. And whatever that costs, it's worth it. Amen, everybody. I wanna encourage you to be a messenger of that hope and faith worth following this season and, and just for the rest of your lives. Now for all of us, God, I come to you and we just pray that you, you are, just help us see who you are. Help us to experience the transcending unbelievable power that comes from what you can do in us and the promises that you make for us. God, that, that you come through on what you say you will come through on, that you already have proved that and I pray that we can lean in on and trust you. Let us get rid of the things uh, that the world is trying to bring that, that get us away from you. Let us to lean in on who you are and what you do. We love you. We thank you that you are the promise, not just the promise maker, but you are the promise keeper in our lives. Thank you for Jesus. Pray we're changed by that. And then we carry that message to everybody that we come into contact with. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.